We made it to Monday. We survived week six. Spags, I am ready to take low ball victory laps. I mean, we got to take the victories where we can get them. I have less to point to for week six, but we are going to talk about our low ball results for versus Al Smizzle. Al Zeidenfeld did the show on Friday. We're also going to talk some week seven waiver wire because looking ahead never stops on here. We've got some people to welcome to the family. And of course, we got Monday night football Bills Titans to talk about for NFL DFS showdown. So Pete, a packed Monday as always. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend and mine, Peter Overzet. Pete, I saw you had a very reasonable headline on your recap video this morning where you min cashed and you're proud of it. So how did you do in week six? Yeah, uh, week six was good. Uh, Yeah, my individual stuff, I stayed above float uh, or above water, uh, but our tilt space, we uh, we charged yesterday to finish third in the game changer for 20K. So I have a third of those lineups. So that was actually a nice win, especially because I thought we were just dusted. I mean, the, the whole show yesterday was basically a funeral. And then the past 20 minutes, we were like, holy shit, we're just charging up the leaderboard. So ended up being a nice uh, week six for me. I'll have you know, Pete, you know who finished 394th out of 400 people in the Deposit Kingdom tournament? This guy right here. So I finished ahead of two people who didn't put a lineup in, and I think maybe <laughs> two other guys. <laughs> what was uh, what was your main stack? Um, I had, it was going heavy on the Kansas City-Washington game, as a lot of the field did, and Terry McLaurin did not do well. Uh, Antonio Brown did not do well. Uh, who else? Marquise Brown I had in that game, too, thinking that Chargers game would have some scoring. And yeah, that was honestly, I talked about hand building for that particular tournament that, of course, Pete's doing a rake free with our friends over at DraftKings. And yeah, that lineup could not have been worse in any possible way. Yeah, that, uh, hey, I, as I always say, you got a Ricky Bobby these tournaments, you know, you, you, you want to be first or last and, uh, that's how it goes. Yeah. The, the ownership on that Washington KC game ended up, uh, kind of out of control. Yeah, definitely did not come through in the way you would like to see unless you were a Darrell Williams rosterer, but that's something we could talk about a little bit during some of our takeaways here. But uh, guys, if you're watching on Pete's channel or the Splash Play channel, make sure you hit that like button. It does help us out a bunch. And I got to give a shout out to Pete and I were talking about this before the show, but Josh Bennett leaving what I would say one of the nicest comments I think I've seen on a YouTube video, whether it be one of ours, one of mine, anywhere, saying this is easily the best DFS show I've ever seen. Haven't laughed this much in a long time. Love it, guys. Response to Friday's show, Pete. And we're now we're setting viewership records with Al Zeidenfeld, with Sal Vetri, and I feel like finally the streets are aware that we are doing vaguely competent analysis, or really vaguely competent confident, uh, content. I feel like the analysis part perhaps lacking sometimes of some of the shows we've done of late. Yeah, that was a, a super fun show with Smiz. I would even say, uh, even though it largely had to do with looking at the week six late, I would say it's fairly evergreen. And if you missed it, uh, I think you would enjoy uh, going back and and checking out that show. Yeah, so go check it out. And of course, a shout out to Al Zeidenfeld. Make sure you're following at Al Zeidenfeld on Twitter, at Al underscore Smizzle on Twitch. He did a great job. And make sure to check out his charity as well, at smizzle.tv slash charity. One of the guys doing good things for people besides himself. But uh, Pete, actually, I have the link to the low ball in the show notes if you or the, the segment sheet if you want to pull it up. But I don't think it matters. We could just also talk about uh, what oh, happened Oh, it matters. There. 
Oh, does oh, it matter? Yeah. Okay. Oh, it definitely matters. I, I will say, so one thing people on Twitter pointing out, I see uh, Drew Dinkmeyer and uh, Ryan Hodge replying to your, your low ball post, Pete. And there was some controversy, at least in my mind, of uh, Tyson Williams, a late game inactive there. And I guess you get his nine points for his average, but just feels like some vague shenanigans afoot, I would say, in our low ball contest. No, there's there's literally no shenanigans. Uh, it was very likely that or that he was going to play on Friday when I submitted it. We already established the rule that I eat his points per game. Nine points takes me up to about 97. I still easily win. Very above board. Nothing shady here. Just a very nice victory by me. You and Smith's too good at DFS for your own uh, for your own good. I honestly really felt good about it. I was hanging in there with you. If you want to click my lineup real fast, people can see too. Uh, my my doomsday that occurred was C.D. Lamb going absolutely nuts. <laughs> I do think he was overpriced, but I don't think Pete, and this actually I think might have been why your lineup also bubbled up, but 40 fantasy points from C.D. Lamb down the stretch, really putting the Patriots away single-handedly in that overtime. Um, not what I would have expected from this outlay. I feel like the rest of the lineup, though, very fundamentally sound. Uh, yeah, I thought the Jefferson and the Waller and the nuke picks were all really good picks uh, as far as guys who are overpriced. You also got kind of screwed on Hopkins. He had three targets <laughs> and had two touchdowns. So like you can't run worse there. But yeah, the 40 burger is uh, what absolutely did you in there. Yeah, it was funny, too, because I actually put it in one of the I think in the mini max is where I put that lineup in just in case it ended up running too good. And it did not run good enough to cash. It, did, it still was good enough to not win the low ball tournament, but uh, not actually useful. So I have a question for you, Pete. Should we be doing low ball every week? I know we came up with a segment in part because Al does the sh or was doing the show. He does the cage match things, obviously trying to build good lineups. And it feels like with the engagement we got on low ball, as well as the enjoyment you and I both got from it, maybe this should be a weekly feature. I think it should because we've been doing with the Thursday guest. We have been doing two lineups, the showdown lineup and a main slate. I think we should do showdown and a low ball because the, the main slate lineup anyways, making that on, you know, Thursday, it, there's so much changes and it's basically worthless at that point, but low ball, I mean, low ball, we can justify on a Thursday. So I, I propose to change the second guest lineup build to low ball going forward. Okay, and I will ratify that amendment you've offered to the show. So there we go. That's the process here. Bang the gavel. We will be doing low ball on Thursdays moving forward, trying to build uh, the worst possible lineup. And and Pete, you know, your aptitude here, I feel like really a true GPP player through and through. You can win at low ball. You can cash in the big tournaments. That's really all people can ask for of you. Yeah, you know, it's uh, this is definitely my true calling. You know, people are giving me shit about my burrow to chase stack. Um, it was fine. It was fine. I do feel good. I, I bet against Mike Williams just about everywhere. I was telling people not to start him. I played his under on underdog. I played him in the low ball contest. So I do feel good uh, trusting my instincts that Mike Williams wasn't 100% on Sunday. Yeah, so tune in on Thursday. We'll build some more lowball lineups. Maybe we'll figure out if we can let you guys make your lowball lineups against us as well in a free tournament. We'll see how we can do that to make it happen. But uh, tune in Thursday. Of course, we are doing these shows Monday, Thursday, Friday, 2.30 Eastern. So come hang out with us. We're always doing something here on Peach Channel and a Splash Play channel. Also, some plugs to go out right now. Uh, we are going to do, I guess, one more giveaway of a viewer guest spot on today's show based on the five stars and reviews being given out on Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't done that yet, please go over to our Apple Podcast page and give us 
that five stars and a review. Any kind review on there will get you submitted to really be a, just a guest on the show to be able to embrace the possibilities uh, that we did last week along with our boy Frankie. So please go leave us five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're also going over to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe for just under $5 a month. You can get DVOA, a bunch of other great tools and data into your life to help make some better holistic lineup decisions. They're the ones that I made this week. You can get all that data for yourself at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe for just under $5 a month. Get that annual package, so go check that out. But Pete, it's time for some big snap takes from week six where we're going to talk about some of the big performances. And, and one that I thought stood out, which I know the media is talking about a lot, the traditional football media, but three OT games. You had Panthers, Vikings, Pats, Cowboys, and Seahawks, Steelers all going into overtime and all ended up being crucial for DFS lineups in their own way. Obviously, the showdown for Sunday night always going to be crucial when you get some more burn there. But Pete, you know we can't predict this stuff, and I know I know on Osmo and when I was doing those shows for years, we talk about that with people trying to pinpoint NBA DFS. Oh, like this game going overtime, like that's crucial when it happens, but you can't figure it out. For football, though, is there any way you could imagine where you might be able to say, oh, this game seems like it has a better shot to stay close, just given the high volume of OT games we've been getting? Uh, yeah, I know. I, I always, uh, would marvel at the, uh, the NBA, uh, bros that that was like an actual strategy of just trying to stack up a game that you thought might go to, uh, overtime. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think that's anything I'm going to be adding to my process. I, I don't even know where you would begin to, uh, to model that, uh, takes a lot of randomness and luck to get it right. But yeah, it certainly helps when, you know, you have CD lamb, and that game goes to overtime and he gets a walk-off touchdown. So, yeah, definitely just run good when those games uh, go to overtime. Yeah, I think we're on the same side there. Obviously, you know, it is something that'd be nice if you could pinpoint it. And I think it really more speaks to trying to target some games that have lower ownership. I know that uh, Patriots-Cowboys game was one that I think we talked about on this show. And and certainly if you went through the ownership projections, the Osmos, the ETRs, the Roto-Grinders out there, did have that game being a little bit undervalued despite some guys with decent projections. So I think that's more the ethos, the ethos there is just trying to target games that have less ownership. And then you hope that things can bubble up, whether it be an outlier performance or one of these OT games. But I think if you are trying to chase an overtime game, probably a bit of a fool's errand as Pete's talking about there. Uh, other big news this week, Pete, we had Kareem Hunt. It's going to be out at least three more weeks after being a chalk bust versus Arizona and was one that looked worse during the game where he was being carried out. Couldn't put any weight in his right leg. Turns out it's a calf issue and Nick Chubb's status is still up in the air. So what do you do, Pete, in this scenario where the Browns are playing Thursday night? Uh, Nick Chubb rumored maybe to go on the IR before this week, but now they might just need him back in there to have somebody good. And we do have two guys behind them that could be also in play with Felton and Johnson. So are you willing to do anything with the Browns heading into Thursday night? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think it'll be a fairly split backfield. I think those guys have kind of defined roles. Dearness Johnson, you know, on early downs, will probably get the goal line work. Demetric Felton as the pass catching back. I think they are both going to be probably pretty popular showdown plays and uh, might make some appearances here on our early waiver wire column as well. I think both are uh, fairly interesting. Yeah, so it's something that, you know, definitely for a showdown build going against Denver could be some room uh, for things to happen there. But, you, you know, we'll talk about more of the waiver wire segment. But if you get any sort of time frame here for a run first team, I know the game script didn't work out uh, that well for Kareem Hunt, which is uh, much to my consternation, as well as large portions of ownership of the field out there. Uh, but in that spot, you know, this is a Cleveland team that does want to run pretty heavy when they have the chance to do that. They will do that. And it could be one of Johnson or Felton having that outlier day, maybe both, uh, depending how the showdown pricing looks on Thursday. Uh, the Cardinals and that 
that same game, also moved to six and zero after their twenty three point win over Cleveland. And I'm going to ask you this, Pete, and I think you might be on the same page now, but I really did feel like, obviously, my Loba lineup did make this thesis as well. But DeAndre Hopkins could not have luck boxed that performance any more than he did with the two touchdowns on such low targets. And I really think the Cardinals, to me, you know, a good GPP team, but one where. Even that performance, not certainly not a ceiling effort. It's hard to imagine him getting there if guys like Kirk Moore and AJ Green every week are going to keep shaving away a bits of his upside. But do you like the Cardinals for fantasy? Like, I think it's hard to argue them as a real life team now, but playing them for fantasy just feels like it comes with a lot more risk than people may realize. Yeah, I mean, I, I love them for DFS just because, you know, those three non-nuke wide receivers are generally all in that same range. They're like always priced 4500 to 5000 I never play A.J. Green. A.J. Green continues to score touchdowns. But I theoretically like having the option to play A.J. Green. Uh, I the, the nuke stuff is crazy. His price goes up this week. I was just doing my salary review, the first look stuff. I mean, Kyler is up at, I think, 8,400 this week, and they are massive favorites against the Texans. So uh, Nuke, I do think, is the guy that, if I had him in season long, I'd be pretty worried uh, because he's just not getting the volume to kind of pay off the the price you paid for him in drafts. Uh, and I do think we'll continue to see, you know, one of Rondell, A.J. Green, uh, and Christian Kirk having big games each week now we add Zach Ertz into the mix. Like he's going to see four to five targets a game. So yeah, I think the DeAndre Hopkins target share is a huge concern and I don't have time to send out many trade offers, but I would be trying to sell high on DeAndre Hopkins if I had him. Yeah, if you have anybody in your league who's just box score watching, sees over a 20 fantasy point day, doesn't maybe see uh, just the lack of targets in that game, I, I would agree. I think it's a good time to sell uh, sell high-ish. I guess that's where you're as high as you can be with this Cardinals offense. And the Ertz point's a good one, too, because I didn't even think about that. But uh, we've talked about the four receivers there just kind of carving enough away from each other that makes some good GPP plays. But guys, you really can't bank on. With Ertz coming in, it does feel like the floor gets a little bit lower, even though the ceiling will probably be where um, it should have been throughout. One other follow-up question here on the Cardinals for you, Pete. I'm curious to see where you land with it. Do you think the Cardinals were the best team in the NFC? I think the Cowboys have sort of made their case. The Packers certainly still a looming around. We'll talk more about them in a second, but uh, the Cardinals for you, do you think they would be your favorites win the NFC? Man, I, I don't know. I, I still also kind of like the Rams. Uh, I know that they blew out the Rams when they played a couple weeks ago, but I still think the Rams kind of have all those ingredients, you know, top to bottom as far as run game, uh, explosive playmakers, solid defense. So I, I think the tides could turn on that. I've, I don't know if it's just been the kind of the lackluster offensive production. I mean, Kyler Murray was legit, you know, going to be the MVP and then he's really slowed down. I saw a stat, uh, that I included in the newsletter today about how his carries are way down in 2020. Uh, this is from Jared Smola. He had averaged 8.3 carries a game for 41 2 yards this year he's only at 6.2 carries for 19.3 yards per game so uh i think the cardinals are still exciting but i don't know if they are the most kind of balanced team right now that i could see making a big super bowl run the historical anomalies in the chat pointing out the bucks they are i think still the favorite to win the super bowl overall though my uh, super bowl odds are not pulling up too easily for me so i think that's one to point out but i think you know in some respects i don't want to say it's wide open in the nfc but you know we've seen the saints certainly show a ceiling we know the packers can be around I feel like the NFC to me, you could really make any bet and I wouldn't really shit on it too much. And I think the Cardinals would be one of those teams as well, where if you can get good odds on them, uh, probably a, a better shot, I guess, you know, relative to the odds of what you'd want to get out of that. Uh, then the Bucks would be right now as the overall favorite.
over it. But a lot of teams in the NFC in play, and I think you know some of them will find out uh, down the stretch that maybe they're not what we thought they were. But the Cardinals do seem to be very much that team based on how they keep putting beatings down and everybody they're coming across. Uh, speaking of a team getting a beating put on them, the Chargers got smoked yesterday in Baltimore, 34 to six after being overvalued all year according to Football Outsiders DVOA metric. And this is something that I know we saw in our, our work Slack chat where they were debating that where to rank the Chargers given the fact they kept winning, but also really according to the numbers weren't performing that much higher above average. Uh, they were 11th in the league heading into week six. And this week we saw Pete, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, massive busts, uh, a Chargers team that maybe got a little overrated coming in, but is it also possible we're just underrating Baltimore and how consistent they've been year after year with no matter how many injuries they have? Yeah, I, I think I think Baltimore uh, is solid, and I am excited uh, about Rashad Bateman uh, joining uh, the team after starting off uh, the season on injured reserve. And yeah, I think, again, similar to kind of what I was talking about with the Rams, I just think they're a really balanced team. Zero doubt and question marks for Lamar Jackson for me. They have all the weapons necessary. I think their defense is, is fine, uh, and I, I think they're going to always be a tough out for kind of the powerhouse teams in the AFC. Yeah, I would agree. I think that they are, you know, Baltimore is a team that really has been getting more results in the air than we've seen in a while. We know the run game is still there. They're uh, squeezing everything they can out of their aging running backs with Murray and with Bell and with Freeman all getting appreciable amounts of work. As Tyson Williams, not a factor, unfortunately, for people who were uh, big believers in him to start the year. But um, I think Baltimore is probably better than we realized and the Chargers a team that's going to be that GPP team. Like it wouldn't shock me to see Mike Williams have a, a fantastic day at whatever salary is going to be moving forward in the high seven K uh, low eight K range for DraftKings. And I guess that'd be the question, Pete, like if Mike Williams this week is going to be under 5% or I guess not this week because they're on a buy, but the next time we see the chargers, would you be willing to take that stab at Mike Williams again at a really lofty price tag, putting him there with Justin Jefferson, Devonte Adams, all these guys we know get the results week in week out. Yeah, uh, that was such a, it was kind of a bummer. I mean, I think if he was fully healthy, I could understand why he had that price tag, but that was, that was too much. Uh, I don't believe chargers are on the main slate. Uh, no, yeah, they're on by, they're on by. They're on by. So yeah. So we don't have to, uh, to deal with that. It's actually a very interesting, uh, pricing week as far as, uh, DFS is going on. I was just doing the, the run through, but, uh, yeah, with the chargers, I, I think, um, to me, it was all injury-based with Mike Williams. I still feel pretty confident about his role. And I, I don't know, Keenan Allen's just not really getting it done uh, these days. And I do think, you know, Mike Williams is the 1A there now. So I don't have any long-term concerns with Mike Williams. And my last big takeaway here, and I'll see if Pete has any of his own to throw into the mix, but Aaron Rodgers telling Bears fans, I still own you while beating them 24 to 14. Justin Fields, not quite ready for the battle, going 16 for 27 for 174 yards, did have a touchdown and a pick and another pick that was called back and really just not, not the best showing for Justin Fields, Pete, but I do feel like maybe some signs of hope, another six rushes for 43 yards, was able to throw the ball downfield a bit more, did create at least one touchdown for Darn uh, Darnell Mooney, which is a positive for sure. But are you, I guess, what were your thoughts of this game overall? Rodgers, I think, embracing the heel role and uh, going against Bears fans, which I enjoy very much to see. But overall, like it just kind of made me sad. Justin Fields looked like he had a shot to stay in that one. At the end of the day, he's just not ready for prime time in the way that we know Aaron Rodgers is and is going to be every single game. Yeah, I was I was encouraged to see him rushing uh, more, but they just there's no uh, it's it's all training wheels on this offense right now, and it's a bummer too because you can clearly see the path for Justin Fields getting to kind of a Jalen Hurts like level as far as his rushing production, but this offense is just so capped right now. It's really sad to see Allen Robinson basically 
you know, fall off the map. You would have hoped that a new quarterback in fields would have been what unlocked him here. I thought Khalil Herbert played well in relief. Uh, another uh, notch in the belt of running backs don't matter. You know, Khalil Herbert just comes in and and looks great in relief of Montgomery and Damian Williams. So yeah, I, I I'm frustrated with this offense. Like when I go to make DFS teams, I mean the the Mooney price tag has been nice and Justin Fields' price tag has been nice. So I'm always tempted. Uh, but then you just realize how slow this team plays, how uninspired Matt Nagy's play calling is, just kind of the lack of playmakers right now. And uh, they bum me out. And now they're massive, massive underdogs to Tampa Bay uh, this week uh, in the uh, the late slate. Yeah, I'm still a believer in Justin Fields overall, based on the fact that, you know, even with him getting beaten down by what the Matt Nagy play calling has been, you know, for the most part, he is still taking those deep shots or trying to find ways to get himself more of those. Uh, one interception that I think was the one that was called back. I honestly was skipping between the games, but he threw one deep ball where he thought the players were off sides ended up being just a picked off at the end of the back of the end zone. But the fact that he's willing to throw 50 yard bombs and get out there, I think there's still hope for Justin Fields. But at this point, it might not be hope for this year as much as it is for a new coach coming in a Lincoln Riley is really the one that I will always push for every young QB, but uh, somebody coming in saving Justin Fields would be uh, the move that I think a lot of us would like to see. Anything else for you that jumped out this week, Pete? I feel like those are the main five big ones I had, but anything that you found particularly noteworthy here? I feel like maybe we could talk more about the Cowboys, but I think we're going to have some shots to do that coming up in the next few segments. Yeah, I mean, Cooper Cup continues just his reign of terror. Another 12 targets, two touchdowns. His his usage is just off the charts. And also Darrell Henderson in that game, too. I, I think just looking back, I know when they had that Sony Michelle trade, myself included, was a little spooked. And there was a lot of chatter like, hey, this could be a 60-40 type split, even 70-30. And no, 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 this is fully Darrell Henderson's backfield. He scored on the ground and a receiving touchdown as well. So I thought he looked good. And yeah, a couple other notes, but I will save them uh, for maybe some other segments here. One other one I'll mention, Cortland Sutton, you know, led uh, everyone in air yards in, in week six. He had 243 air yards, even left some points on the table as well, where uh, Bridgewater missed him for another easy touchdown. And I think it's an interesting subplot because Jerry Judy is now eligible to return uh, sometime over the next three weeks. And I'm curious to see kind of what happens to that offense because Judy looked really, really good uh, in his first few games before he got hurt. And now Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant are really coming into their own without Judy in the offense. I don't think Bridgewater in this offense is good enough to support all three of those guys at an elite level. So I'm, I'm kind of curious what gives when Judy comes back. Yeah, one of the biggest Noah Fant games, actually the, the biggest Noah Fant fantasy game he's ever had as well, which uh, what, I think we're going to call out in the next few segments. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting spot. And I agree, Cortland Sutton's a guy that's been popping up on the air yards model over and over again. Um, you know, If you go really uh, any site out there that's covering air yards, you'll see him at the top of the charts. And this week he did pass uh, Devontae Adams for the season long lead as well in air yards. So certainly something that's getting targeted downfield and is going to have a, a slate breaking game, though. It does seem like week to week, it's going to be hard to pinpoint that as it's always going to be the case for GPPs. But Pete, it's about time. Time, I think where we got to, I feel like it's a low energy show today. And there's one way to really inject the energy, Pete. And that's for me to put on this costume tie and also this costume hat for a little segment we call Welcome to the Family. 
Um, I need to work on my prop game, but I am ready to welcome some people. No, I need to work on <laughs> that, my accents. That was full Mario. You you can't go full Mario. I think you're you? right. No, 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 no. It's some more. It's some more like this. All right, I'm I'm easing into it. Okay. I was actually at my sister-in-law's house last night for my little nephew's christening, and her family, uh, her husband's family's from Sicily. So I actually feel like I'm ready to do this. Oh, pr proud Siciliano. That's always nice to hear. But Pete, I feel like last week you were doing more of like a guy on the corner who's somebody's <laughs> uncle. This week you're going more of a kind of a swarthy Furio style from the Sopranos Italian. So we'll see what comes out in this segment. Welcome to the family with, of course, with Italian culture back in the mainstream, not just in Pete's life, but also the Sopranos back in Vogue. And we got Mario back in the world as well with Chris Pratt voicing him. So it's our time to capitalize on both my Italian heritage and Italian culture being back in the mainstream once again. And uh, Pete, seems like you're already in character. So why don't you go and indulge? yourself in the finest whims of the italian lifestyle okay but i kind of just do the italian accent that was last heard in my ears so maybe i'm talking like this but look i gotta welcome my guy rashad bateman's into the family okay this guy had a 24 percent target share right out of the gate okay there's no sammy watkins no problem we got my guy rashad bateman coming into the fold lest you forget a first round pick he was in for 67% of the pass plays and saw a target on 27% of them. Shout out Dwayne McFarland for that helpful snap. I am very excited about Rashad Bateman. I want to give you a big hug, a big kiss, and tell you to get into my lineups and start putting up fantasy points. Look at you quoting some real numbers here. And also, Pete, I thought about your nickname a little more. Obviously, the name we should be going with, given your career choices, the content you do. Petey Overs. You're all about the overs here, all about the big numbers. And that's one. Another guy is all about the numbers. Also about the Italian lifestyle that we like to see. Rich Basaccia, who I'm going to call big and rich, even though we're not big on the country music in the community. The name fits if we're going to welcome him to the family. Ten-point victory in mile high. Push the ball downfield to Henry Ruggs. Henry Hill, Henry runs it don't matter rich Versace is gonna be there chucking it downfield if not himself having somebody else do it for him and that's what you want to see pete he's not only creating the offense for his guys for his family but also the other families the five families sitting at the table in the nfc west the afc west they're all gonna be there participating as well noah fant biggest fantasy day of his life Cortland sutton air yards out the wazoo Maron. my god that's big and rich for you that's the lifestyle with no john gruden holding things down for me and my family my God, you're good at this. It's almost like you're Italian through and through, Spags. But let me tell you, I got a guy that I want to welcome to the family. I want to give him the biggest bear hug that he can barely breathe. And then I send him back out on the field for these touchdowns. And that's none other than Darrell Williams, the backup running back turned starting running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, okay? No Clyde Edwards-Alaire, no problem, okay? My guy Darrell comes in and does it all. 21 for 62 and two tutties on the ground. Three for 27 through the air. I'm telling you what, I don't miss Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Does anyone in Kansas City miss Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Because I don't. I think Darrell Williams is our generation's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and that's not necessarily a good thing, but this week it was. I love Darrell Williams. He's the man. You remove CEH, we boost this boy up. 
And Evan Silva gave him the nickname The Mentor. And we're all about mentoring in the Italian community. You got to have your, your seasoned veterans in the mix. You got to bring the young guys along. And there's another guy you could also call a mentor too. AJ Green. And normally we don't like AJ's. AJ Soprano kind of ruined the bit there. But AJ Green, been around for a while. And here he is week in, week out. 17 fantasy points hitting Petey Overs three times this year so far, Pete. Over 17 fantasy points. And I know you're down on AJ Green. But when he brings that sweet stuff into your life time and time again. I mean, my own, he might be better than DeAndre Hopkins. I think we could all agree there in our family. No, we can't agree on that, okay? All right, this guy, A.J. Green, he's about one year away from sleeping with the fishes. He's going to take an eternal dirt nap any one of these days. Get out of here with this shit. Mono, Pete, you got one more for me, or do you want me to take one more here off the table? Welcome into the family. Okay, I'll do one more. I just want to say a big, hearty welcome to Jalen Waddles. This guy goes across the pond. He puts up two touchdowns, just balling out. The kid gets 10 targets a game. No Will Fuller, no problem. Jalen Waddle, I was skeptical. I thought they drafted you too high. I thought you were going to just be Henry Ruggs 2.0, but I was wrong, Jalen. I'm sorry. Come here. I want to give you a hug. I want to give you a hug and welcome you to the family. It seemed like he's not waddling, PD. He's, in fact, running to get those passes from Tua. And he's got to run because Tua's throwing them all over the place, spraying like Jimmy Knuckles when he's trying to run a gun. That's why his name is Jimmy Knuckles, because he's got mostly Knuckles, not very good at guns. But the guy that I'm going to welcome to the family, last of all, C.D. Lamb, who we're going to call in the family Sausage Ragu, because he can't have a good sausage ragu on Sundays without a little lamb and mix. And he sort of ruined <laughs> he sort of ruined Spags' low ball team, but had nine catches, 149 yards, two touchdowns. And you know what he did? He waved goodbye to the defender, waved goodbye to Bill Belichick. And when you're going to go at a Don, you got to make sure you don't miss. C.D. Lamb, Sausage Ragu does not miss. Welcome to the family, C.D. Chepale, what balls on this guy? I'm out on Petey Overs. Oh, my God. All right. I need to I need to study up. I need to come more prepared. I'm, I'm, you're running laps around me in the character work department. It's honestly, if all of our bits were things personal to me, that I would really be doing a lot better in our character work. If only I had a soothsayer at some point in my life, I'd be crushing it on Thursdays. <laughs> I have, I'm legitimately impressed. You're, you're very good at that. Thank you. Well, anyway, should I just keep the hat on the rest of the show? I feel like <laughs> I think you should do the entire show like that. <laughs> honestly, I think my DFS personality, my betting, if I had a TikTok page just doing this character, I think... Hey, look, there's there's extensions of the brands we could do, Pete. And I think, hey, it's just make it's just being who you are deep inside. That's really, we turn it up to 11. That's what we do here. Welcome to the family. I would subscribe to that TikTok. <laughs> Honestly, you just want me to embarrass myself publicly, I think, even more than usual. True. <laughs> Probably true. All right, it's time, guys. We welcome these guys to the family. So now let's hit the waiver wire snake draft, where, of course, we're going to pick all the guys for week seven that you should be considering adding to your teams. And it's an interesting week, Pete. I know the Rotoviz article we always look at from Sam Wallace has uh, got some interesting choices in there, including one AJ Green did get welcome to Sam Wallace's family of being uh, taken off of waivers here. But some names out there, Pete, that might be interesting. I know we talked about the Browns guys, so different directions you can go to as I give you the number one overall pick in our waiver wire snake draft for week seven. Yeah, I am going to take uh, Dearness Johnson uh, with Kareem Hunt out. Um, I do think that uh, Nick Chubb, uh, do we have a, a full update on on his status? It's it's unlikely he's going to play, right? On a- I think it's up in the air. They haven't ruled him out officially yet, but it's still early enough in the week, even for a Thursday game. So I'd assume he doesn't go because why would you risk that? But it is the Browns and they sometimes do stupid shit. So as we know, so maybe I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I, I think, I guess my take would be is that it's worth the risk. You know, uh, if if Chubb doesn't play, then I think Dearness Johnson is probably like a top 20 running back play this week, which is pretty nice to get on the waivers. And even if he does go, you're still probably getting him in uh, a decent uh, role there, uh, you know, getting probably 30 to 40% of the touches. So I'm willing to roll the dice on Dearness Johnson and see if I can get a spot start from him. All right. Well, I guess I just think relative to the thesis of what we try to accomplish here, I would take one Demetric Felton here just to leverage off of that play. And because he is a pass catching back, a guy who maybe won't get, as Pete mentioned earlier, won't get that end zone look, won't get the red zone looks quite as much, but can be a guy who has use, especially in PPR format. So I think for me, taking Demetric Felton would be a decent consolation prize if you are not going to get Dearness Johnson and, and probably worth keeping in mind. I guess this would be a question for you too, Pete. How much would you spend on these guys? Because it could be a very short turnaround for these guys actually having you know sort of usefulness for a few weeks yeah i mean this isn't like the devonta booker situation where you're for sure getting you know three or so weeks out of him so yeah i'm probably in like you're probably in the 10 to 15 percent range if you're really in a pinch uh for for getting a, a, a w here i see on the road of his article sam suggested five percent which is probably the more measured take but if you have one of these zero RB teams and, and you need a spot start, I think you can certainly justify a little more. And I will, because I have the turn pick as well, I will take a guy that Pete pumped up a little bit. And I think I was encouraged by the early results enough. Rashad Bateman coming no, in. Oh, that's getting, who I want. I almost took him number one. I didn't think you'd take him. I, I just had to. I mean, there really aren't fantastic options. And I do think Bateman, six targets in an offense where Lamar, we know, has been throwing the ball deeper downfield. Sammy Watkins, I think hamstring issues have been haunting him pretty much everywhere. So we could see him certainly miss some more time. And I think, you know, the bounce back is going to come from Marquise Brown. The, the week to week is still going to be there for Mark Andrews, who's been getting a lot of work with Sammy Watkins out. But Bateman, I, you know, six targets, hard to argue with coming in. And um, he's cheap enough, Pete, where I think, you know, sharp guys like you might be on him, but people in the season long league you probably get them for pretty cheap yeah i'm already regretting I, I i wish i could go back in time and take him first overall it's just it's so hard to find you can find usable production on waivers for wide receivers all the time like you can get your kj osborne a guy maybe we mentioned later in this segment or not like you can find those guys but bateman has the prospect profile and the setup to actually be you know a top 24 tight end uh, down the stretch if his role really grows and he kind of delivers on his talent. So those kind of situations are hard to come by. We saw it with Kadarius Tony. You know, if he can stay healthy, uh, has a legit chance of being a league winner, unlike some of these guys. And uh, I'm very on board with Bateman and adding him in anywhere you can. Yep, I, I agree. Like I, I've been, I did nag Rashad Bateman. I did hypothesize in the rider die picks that maybe Eric Tomlinson could outscore him, but he did show that he is in fact a viable part of this offense, especially with Watkins being out. So uh, the Devin Duvernay thing too, I know we talked about on Friday's show, uh, Bateman passing up Duvernay sooner than later, I think is a very realistic possibility. Pete, you got two picks now though. So follow your heart. Who would you want now that I've uh, so gloriously claimed Rashad Bateman all for myself? Mm, I'm just going to rub them all over myself. Yeah, let's keep with the Browns theme here. I already took DeAndre Johnson. I'm going to take Donovan Peoples-Jones. He has uh, nine reception and 11 targets over the last two weeks. Obviously, he had that big Hail Mary touchdown, which really boosted his stats, but just kind of the underlying usage is good. And they're, they really need playmakers to step up. We saw even Odell was out of the game for a little bit with his shoulder injury. It doesn't sound like that's going to limit him, but you just never know with that kind of stuff. And with uh, Hunt out and if Chubb's out, like, some of these guys have to step up and make plays, and DPJ has been a guy who's been making plays. So I think he'll 
be a, a decent kind of wide receiver three, wide receiver four start um, here on Thursday night. Yeah, he looked pretty good in that game. Obviously, you're not going to expect him to get uh, quite the target workload or the touchdown workload, but with Landry being banged up still, and honestly, Landry being back in, there's enough room to have production for multiples of these guys, especially if the running back situation does get ugly for a bit. So uh, Peoples-Jones, all the hype coming in the preseason, I think, uh, starting to pay it off a little bit. Pete, you got one more pick here. Who you want it to be? Yeah, let's see here. Um, I think I'm going to do another running back. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do, I think I've probably picked him a few times or I've touted him. I, I love Ramondre Stevenson. I was thinking about even leaving a spot open for him in my DFS lineups. If Damian Harris was out yesterday, uh, Damian Harris ended up playing. And that's why it was pretty encouraging to me that, uh, Ramondre Stevenson still got a decent amount of work. He caught a wheel route pass. I don't know if you're watching that game yesterday, um, where he I just went, that right out of the backfield. And I was like, okay, this is pretty interesting usage here because we know he looked explosive as a rusher in the preseason to be able to have kind of like the pass catching chops to catch a wheel route, you know, 20 yards downfield um, was pretty encouraging to me. And I still think with this Patriots backfield stuff can change on a dime. And I, I do really think Ramondre Stevenson has kind of pretty unique upside in this offense, if you're willing to kind of deal with a few more messy weeks of, of being in a committee, but the fact that he's getting those, that pass work, and I think is just a naturally more explosive runner than Harris has me pretty intrigued. Yeah. And I think too, you know, you could see if you follow any new England people on your timeline and Pete is, is there locally? So you can just go out to the street and ask people and they'll tell them, but they are really not enthusiastic about seeing Brandon Bolden continue to get work out there. And if Stevenson can be a pass catcher, can get those, you know, those deeper routes can be even just getting those James white checkdowns. Like he does have use in that offense. And really it's going to be up to bill Belichick deciding to use him, which we know can be a, a thorny thing to try to keep a, an eye on and figure out moving forward. But I, I agree. Stevenson to me, it just looks like a very talented back in a way that should compliment Damian Harris moving forward. So we'll see how that goes. Um, for me, I will take a guy that you mentioned and he was so close to coming through for me on the ride or die pick. And Pete, this is one of those things where uh, we don't talk about this as much, the machinations of the game, but boy, you fucked me on that Vikings wide receiver core because you made me take, I had KJ Osborne outscoring Justin Jefferson. That looked good. And you're like, no, it's only a 10 pointer. If he also outscores Adam Thielen, you know, he didn't outscore Adam Thielen, but KJ Osborne, I think is a really good waiver wire pick and he should be owned over 80% in ESPN leagues now, but he He's been getting steady work. He's going to be there every week that you see Jefferson and Thielen kind of come down. And, and we saw, you know, he can have an up week, even with Thielen having a really outlier effort for himself. So I'm really encouraged by KJ Osborne. I think, you know, you could tell just by watching him on the field, what team watched the tape here. Uh, but still, you know, KJ Osborne getting the work, running the routes. I think that is something that can pay off at least. At least still Earth Smith is back in the mix, taking some of that away. Uh, yeah, all I heard was that you tried to sneak uh, a fake 10 pointer through and I rightly uh, made it a proper 10 pointer with the Adam Thielen hurdle as well. I mean, you made it more difficult and you were correct in doing so. So at the end of the day, this is a results based business and that's what it was. But I get one more pick here. And honestly, I feel like this is where it starts to get a little thin, but I will go to... Uh, yeah, we'll go to Devonta Freeman. I think the pass game work for him is encouraging. The weird split here at running back, I think Latavius Murray is still the guy you'd want the most, but he could easily, I think, supplant Le'Veon Bell. Can Devonta Freeman if he just is a little more spry? And, you know, Bell kind of duplicates a little more what Latavius Murray is doing at this point in his career. Bell not running routes like he used to be in his Pittsburgh Steelers days. So in this spot to me, I think Devonta Freeman, useful in a, a Ravens offense that's really agnostic about who's scoring. Uh, you could see Devonta Freeman bubble up. So really more of a desperate move more than anything, Pete, but I feel like Freeman could have some use. 
Yeah, uh, I really want it to be Tyson Williams, uh, but it seems very much like the team does not trust him whatsoever, as evidenced by him being inactive now, I think, back-to-back weeks. So, yeah, if Latavius Murray misses time, it's definitely going to be Freeman uh, leading the backfield there. All right, what do you want for your last pick here in our Week 7 waiver Wire Snake Draft? Yeah, I'll list a guy that actually probably should be higher. He's barely sneaking into our criteria here of being available in more than 80% of leagues, but Ricky Seals-Jones is still available in 80.9% of leagues. He played 100% of the snaps yesterday. He is exactly who Logan Thomas was in this offense, albeit maybe not quite as exciting of a talent, but 15 targets, 99 yards, and a score over his previous two weeks. So that that kind of steady production is just very hard to find uh, at the tight end position. You know, you're normally dependent on touchdowns, but with his role, he has a pretty nice floor as well. So interested in him, also interested in him in DFS. His price only went up to 3,700 this week. They play the Packers. I think it's another nice spot for him. One guy that I feel like we should mention too, just because I really don't know what to make of them, but I did, I'm leaving him off here just because I don't have the confidence level, but Jamal Agnew, we saw have a pretty nice day in London for the Jaguars and he has been getting a decent market share with DJ Chark out. And I know you are as much of a, a Jags expert as anybody, Pete, that LaVisca Schnault, of course, still a functional part of that offense, maybe more functional than he was when Chark was there. Same thing for Marvin Jones. And would you consider taking any Jamal Agnew or do you think this is kind of a false flag from a guy who's been and also ran in the league for the last few years for pretty good reason? Yeah, Jamal Agnew is not the kind of guy that I'm generally uh, adding to my lineup. I mean, LaVisca Chenault still had eight targets. Um, yeah, I, I get it uh, if you're desperate, uh, but I don't know if this offense can support, you know, three to four guys. I mean, of course, you have Chark, or sorry, you have Marvin Jones, um, Dan Arnold uh, has been playing well for them, and then you're going to have Visca. So, yeah, I, I don't know if I want to be dealing with the fourth option on the Jags, but I, I get it. 13 targets in two games is, is definitely worth pointing out. Yeah, I think it's me. It feels more like one of those things that'll pop up when you have Dan Arnold getting integrated, when you have a guy going out. Um, you know, it's something to me where I, I don't have the faith in Agnew, but I think another guy that honorable mention maybe for Jamal Agnew, if you wanted to really get a deeper at wide receiver. Uh, but we got a few more minutes here, Pete, and I feel like we can do maybe a lineup build as well for the Monday Night Football. But first of all, let me pander for likes real fast. If you're watching on Pete's channel or on the Splash Play YouTube channel, make sure to hit that like button. It does help us out a bunch. Helps us get seen by more people and keep the momentum up from our, our last few really fun Friday shows that we've had. Uh, so make sure to go hit that like button, whether you're watching anywhere, just help us out and do that. And of course, uh, make sure to go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Lots of great data on there to help you make informed decisions, especially for a showdown slate like one today with Buffalo and Tennessee, where you want to see a little bit of advantage you can get out there, including wide receiver twos, much worse against Tennessee or much better against Tennessee's defense rather uh, than wide receiver ones have been. So maybe another week where Stefan Diggs underperforms, we'll find out together, but football outsiders definitely gives you an interesting look here that you won't get other sites using higher level football data. So go footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe $5 a month are the packages on there. If you get the yearly package, so go check them out. Uh, but Pete, we got Buffalo 29.8 implied points. Tennessee, 23.8 implied points. And it's a game where we know Buffalo has been really good. Tennessee has been underperforming time and time again. And Tennessee running into a buzzsaw potentially of a defense for Buffalo in terms of DVOA, giving up 43.2% less production overall on the year uh, compared to what would be expected from an average team. So with that in mind, Pete, what would be your ride or die pick for this Monday night football game? And then maybe we could build a lineup after. Yeah, I, uh, it was interesting. I was looking at the ownership stuff for captain and I think it's going to be pretty spread out. Um, you know, Josh Allen, I think will be the most. And I think Diggs and Henry 
next to him. And then it kind of gets pretty weak after that outside of AJ Brown. So I think AJ Brown, I know he popped up on the injury report yesterday with an illness. I expect him to play. Uh, he looks to me like the best discounted captain option who has access to that massive ceiling. So I'll, I'll go with him. I think for me, and this has been a play that I know at some point the wheels are going to fall off, but I would go Emmanuel Sanders for my captain tonight, and I know I will in some portion of lineups. And it does get hard to sort of ignore the share of the offense Josh Allen has and, and the running backs, I think, have some appeal to people out there, though probably less for me than some of the other folks who have been beating the Devin Singletary and Zach Moss drums. But Sanders to me is getting the work that Diggs should be getting and getting pretty much the same volume in terms of air yards. Targets are a little bit less, but getting more deep shots. So there's a little more volatility there. And and Pete, I feel like this is the one question I would have for you. Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, if you see more ownership going to Diggs at captain, would you want to go Diggs' way still? Or would you think that Emmanuel Sanders or even Cole Beasley might be the more plus EV move? Yeah, I mean, I was I was looking at the the sim results for uh, the captain ownership, and you're seeing you know Beasley around four percent, Sanders around four point seven percent. So I think there's some some merit to it, but you're still seeing Diggs up at ten percent, AJ Brown at at ten percent. So pretty clearly, you know, better captain plays. I think just because of that that ceiling that they can access. So um, it does seem like. Sanders is going to get owned a little too much uh, relative to uh, how often he's showing up. So the Beasley stuff is, is interesting to me. I think one thing that I was looking into because I was looking at some prop bets for this game and they, uh, I think that the bills might, you know, pass less. They're kind of Josh Allen's um, pass attempts are down a good bit uh, this year and they are running the ball more in these bigger positive game scripts. So I ended up betting the under on Allen's uh, pass completions, and I bet an under on an Emmanuel Sanders. So I'm just a little less bullish on the ancillary options for the Buffalo pass game, and I'd almost prefer to pay play it through garbage time Titans. Yeah, I, I, that's a reasonable way to look at it. I just, man, I just like Sanders a lot. And I think the fact the price tag hasn't come up enough, though it is worth pointing out, Diggs under five figures for the showdown on DK tonight, I think is um, interesting given the fact that we saw guys like Deontay Johnson be a little bit overpriced yesterday. We've seen receivers starting to bubble up a little bit more in terms of that ownership. But um, I don't know, for this spot to me, I think that going to Emmanuel Sanders way, just cheaper, a more appealing move. And according to the Osmo ownership, it does look like Diggs. Um, I know Pete, you mentioned some numbers. They have Diggs being 15%, Sanders being under 6%. Maybe that's a little bit loftier favoring Diggs in the historical sample size. But um, I think the public is ex waiting for this Diggs breakout day. And uh, separate question, Pete, and if you could pull up the, the lineup build so we can do that real fast too. Yeah. Um, would you play Derrick Henry at captain at all? Because the field's going to have him at the number two overall ownership, it looks like, based on uh, what I'm seeing, or at least two or three, it looks like. And I think out of all spots here, this is the one where he can get game scripted out in the most uncomfortable way where I would not want to have him as a captain. Yeah. I mean, the only thing is it, I, I've kind of changed my tune on him getting game scripted out now that he's catching passes. Uh, that was another one of my bets that I did uh, in the underdog pickums. I took his over 16 and a half receiving yards last week. He didn't have any catches, but they, you know, were absolutely just destroying. He had three touchdowns on the ground where his receiving usage has been actually pretty good uh, in games this year that are relatively close to their trailing. So I actually don't mind Derrick Henry and the captain, uh, you know, looking at the run, the Sims, 19%, frequency in the captain spot and his ownership is going to be down around 12 or 13%. So honestly, a, a positive leverage situation and uh, I'm less spooked 
by Henry's pass catching role than I used to be. Yeah, I mean, I guess there are some stories you could certainly tell there where maybe Tennessee does get the lead a little bit earlier, perhaps with a Henry or an A.J. Brown touchdown or Julio, if you really do want to go that way. As I know uh, some of the guys in chat do want to go. Um, you know, that's definitely a different build approach. I just worry with Henry that at that price tag, the lineup you're going to build is going to be looking a lot less attractive. And um, yeah, it's a, an interesting question to ask, but I guess we can answer it for ourselves by building this lineup here. And um Pete, I'll let you take the, the first move here. If you want to go with a captain or a flex guy, let's do that. But let's let's build a lineup and you know, I you know which way I want to go. So I'm ready for you to go a completely different direction to ruin my Emmanuel Sanders takes. Um let's see here. Uh I mean, I, I think there's a, a lot of different ways. I I don't want to do Emmanuel Sanders at captain, though. Um, what is wrong with Emmanuel Sanders? He's been running so good. He's been very effective on the year. Like what, why, why no, why no Manny? Why no Manny? I, I, I just, I, I gave my whole spiel about why I thought the, uh, the bills passing game. wasn't necessarily the way I wanted to play it through the captain slot, but I'll let you leave the door. I'll just put Derek Henry in the flex and I'll okay. let you, uh, decide on, on captain. Okay. Well, well now I feel like I can't completely spit in your face, but I feel like I have to, because I think it's the, the right move. Emmanuel Sanders, a captain cheap enough, gives you salary to play with. I just think that's the move. So I, I'm going to say put Manny Sanders, a captain. Wow. I can't believe it. <laughs> I feel like I'm disrespecting you in a way that normally reserved for you disrespecting me, but I, I just feel like Manny Sanders, I, I find it hard to believe he won't be the captain tonight. I, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to pander to one of our loyal viewers and commenters, Joshua Frick, Joshua pumps Julio Jones on every single uh, show. He loves Julio and I would be remiss not to get his boy in this lineup. I personally don't have very strong feelings one way or the other on Julio Jones as of this moment, but 6,600, that price tag isn't bad. I do think the Titans are going to be throwing a lot in the second half. This one's for you, Joshua. Julio Joshua defending the wall there in chat, helping protect us from uh, the guy with one account who always pops in and is taking some creative takes on being insulting to us. But still, we appreciate that a bunch. So I'm, I'm on board with your Julio Jones and still him coming off the injury. We know that's going to drop the ownership in a way that could be uh, certainly helpful to look at. Um, I will say for me, then I think we got to get Josh Allen, right? There's no like the odds of Josh Allen not being in a lineup, whether it be a captain or utility feels pretty low, I would say. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate it, but we're going to have to, we're going to have to really punt it off with some salary here. Uh, after we go with the Allen Sanders, um, how much is McNichols McNichols at 3000. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to do Jeremy McNichols, uh, again. Um, I know this is double, uh, with Henry and that, but I think it'll be pretty unique. This is like 180,000, 198,000 person tournament. So going to running backs and he's been getting a ton of targets uh, two weeks ago against the jets there. Uh, he had eight targets. So I'm going to toss in Jeremy McNichols because we absolutely need to save some money right now. And I would say too, like playing him with Henry, probably going to be duped less playing him in lieu of Henry probably will be a little more of a common build. So I think that's a, a decent one though. Three K for McNichols seems kind of an outrageous price tag. Um, what do we have left here? Um, 3,300. Yeah. I, somebody said Gabriel Davis bounce back week. I don't know that I've seen anything that would make me feel that way. Other than the fact that he's still getting like 25 snaps a game, but at that price tag, Pete, we've had some success with Gabriel Davis in the past. Maybe that's the move. I, I think so. Like, I, I don't think you want a single stack Josh Allen. You know, if Josh Allen gets there, there's going to be at least a second guy there. Uh, so I, 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 I don't mind the thesis of the Gabe Davis play. 
Is there any world tonight where you would play Dawson Knox with the field at just shy of $8,000 in a showdown? Man, that is so, so expensive. Mm -hmm. Uh, His role has been really good, but even last week, he kind of got there on the big touchdown play. So uh, I don't think he is uh, going to end up being, you know, a very good play. He's barely showing up in these optimals, uh, only 15% total in lineups at that price tag. It's just, it's very pricey. Uh, Nathaniel saying play Trubisky you cowards I don't think they're going to get that much of a boat race I think would be yeah. unlikely for I never play a backup QB I know it's something people like to do if they're playing 150 I just think that's such a, a the narrow margin of possibility that it's just not worth any sort of money being spent on that at all yeah Joshua also brought up Bullock I was seeing him in some of the optimal lineups but my thing is if you're playing the Titans as, you know, losing by, you know, seven to 10 points. I don't, I generally don't like playing kickers on losing teams. I think I'd rather go the Tyler Bass direction if I'm playing it through the bills. Uh, but I think there are builds. Um, if you're playing the Titans to win where uh bullet could make some sense. Yeah. Tennessee. I think you'd have to expect them then to defend the red zone better than they have. They've been 21th in a league, uh, 20, 20 21st, 21st in a league. Excuse me. It's Monday. Uh, 21st in a league against red zone, uh, attacking teams right now. So it looks like according to DVOA, uh, 6%, uh, worse than average against the red zone defense. So that's something to keep in mind with them. Probably not the most likely, but I think kickers certainly undervalued. I know Osmo talks about that a lot. People just don't play them enough in showdowns. Don't play both though. That's one thing I, I always do in the cruncher level. Only take one kicker, one defense. You are going to go that way. And Pete, I feel like we made pretty good time here. So let's do the drawing real fast of who we can have on as a viewer guest. And we still have a couple golden tickets lurking out there. We had underscore Alex last week who has one. I know Chris Kennessy, who had a kid recently. Um, if he's out there, you still have a, a golden ticket to join the show. But um, otherwise, I think no new reviews. So we could just spin the wheel and make the deal. Yes. Uh, and I added a couple of the tweets that I saw. Uh, if you put your name uh I, I saw Tim and I saw Josh, uh, his handle. So I added them. If there was anyone else who sent a tweet that I missed, uh, please let me know. But let's shuffle up in deal and see who it's going to be the next guest. I will not try to guess where it's going to land. I have learned my lesson. Oh, my goodness. It's none other than our accountant. Good. So he gets to do work for under under a fair wage, and then he also gets to do a show for free. Wow, Willis is awesome. Come on down. Though honestly, though, I think we were gonna have Willis on at some point in the year anyway, weren't we? Yeah, let's let's get two names on though. Um, yeah. because we can uh I know sometimes uh Willis uh might be busy with obligations uh other than just watching our chat all day, but let's get a let's get a backup and uh and we'll we'll figure it out. Okay, so there we go. So Willis is one drawing there. And of course, if you did uh, one of the other golden tickets we gave out, Alex, Chris Kennedy, feel free to let us know too. You can still come on the show whenever you please. Styles G. White. I think Styles is a guy who's been in the Osmo chats before. I feel like he's he might be a member of yours too. Yeah, I honestly don't recognize that name. Uh, so maybe he's more of the Osmo side because I, I definitely remember Styles G. White. And I, that reminds me of the locks. I don't know if you remember the locks either. It's, it's another dated reference. <laughs> <laughs> I the rappers there was a rapper like was one of them was styles if i'm remembering correctly i feel like might have been styles g white okay all right there you go uh styles reach out to us uh either on twitter or preferably in the discord is uh convenient as well i have the link down below if you guys aren't in the deposit kingdom discord go ahead oh actually i'm exposing my stupidity styles g white actually was a former uh defensive end for the bucks who was drafted <laughs> in 2002 okay there you go i can look on the the full poll here from uh, 
the uh, iTunes review list to see if I can glean any other information. Styles G. White said, by far my favorite fantasy football podcast, the balance of humor and quality information for fantasy football is rare, but Spags and Pete get it done. Apologies for being late in signing your guest book, guys. So this was this was one of our guys from last year when we were doing oh. the guest book bit. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. So shout out Styles there. And yeah, parent, people correct me Wallace in chat saying Styles P is what I'm thinking of from the lock. So I've, I've mixed up my styles. I think uh, that Styles also had an S instead of a Z. Either way, though, Styles and Willis will hopefully be on the show on Thursday. And make sure to DM us. Willis knows how to contact us. But Styles, you're watching this. DM us at Splash Play Pod so we know how to get in touch and get you on the show. Pete, you're going to do a showdown cram tonight, I have to assume. But uh, what, what else has going on? What's going on in your world besides people needing to follow you at Peter Overzet? Yep, I'll do a I'll do a showdown cram uh, tonight. I pushed it back. Normally, I've been doing seven thirty. I pushed it back to seven forty five. Needed a little bit more time tonight, so yeah, you guys can uh, swing by then if you guys want to see what the sim results are looking like and uh, the best tournament plays. Yeah, so make sure to subscribe to Pete's channel to check that out. Subscribe to the Splash Play channel if you're watching that one as well. We appreciate that. Go leave us five stars and review an Apple podcast because that is one of the ways you get an entry here to be a guest on our Thursday show. Of course, we will be back on Thursday at 2.30 Eastern, so come join us then. Follow me at Chris Spags. Follow at Peter Overzet and follow at Splash Play Pod. We will follow you back on Twitter and Instagram and uh Otherwise, oh, also play on underdog, play the NBA best ball. That one is not going to fill like there is no way that one fills. And uh, there is a GPP attached to that. So that, you know, make sure you're going in there because Pete, I know, I know you're not an NBA best ball guy, or at least I presume you're not unless you're hiding something from me. And um, honestly, pretty fertile ground right now to make some good teams and also have a good chance of winning some money. Yeah, uh, we talk about it with the DraftKings Rake Free League. Overlay is the other way, uh, other thing you should always be hunting out as a plus EV uh, fantasy player. So yes, I need to get in those streets. I've been so busy with football. I actually wanted to do a randomizer uh, basketball draft on underdog. Maybe I'll get my shit together. Uh, although the, when does the season start tomorrow? Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So actually that's not going to happen. Uh, but it was a good idea. <laughs> it was a nice on, thought though. It was I a think. nice was, thought. It's a, uh, yeah, go, but play over an underdog. Use your promo code Pete when you're depositing and uh shout out to Willie K and Ashton Coates who just are tuning into the show. Good news guys. Scrub all the way back. And it's like, we're starting all over just for you guys. That's what, that's what the, we want to the beautiful thing about the internet is these archives live for better or worse. They will be up uh, even when we finish the live stream. Yeah, come join the Italian bit. Welcome to the family. That's really the one that's coming up on the show. That's going to be really fantastic if you're starting over from scratch. But we appreciate you guys being here, and we'll see you guys Thursday, 2.30 Eastern. So enjoy your weeks and catch you soon.